Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and today we are going to be talking about a track on Kate Bush's debut album, The Kick Inside, called Strange Phenomena. Soon it will be the phase of the moon when people choose. Every girl knows about the punctual blues, but who is to know the power? And with me here on the podcast this week is my lovely husband, Andrew Link. All right. Well, what would you say is the initial story behind this song, Strange Phenomenon? I imagine and it has a mysterious background. <laughs> You could say that, definitely. Uh, Well, the story behind the song is, well, it was Kate's way of trying to explain coincidences and random things happening in everyday life. Uh, I I see here uh, a note that you have that this was part of a Brazilian EP. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that released before the album or as a promotional material after the album? It was released as a promotional material after the album. So, yeah, Strange Phenomena, the song itself, was not a single except in Brazil. Um, that's the only time it was released in any other capacity other than being on the album, The Kick Inside. And it was it was part of an EP It was called, called Four Successos. I know it's supposed to be Four Successes or Four Hits. And I'm not sure how to say foreign Portuguese. If anybody listening here, see, I, I'm a kind of a language nerd. I feel like I sh- it's probably something like quatro or quadro or something like that. If you speak Portuguese, how do you say four in Portuguese? Anyway, back to the, back to the show. So it was part of that EP that just included four of her hits. Why they included this one when it wasn't a chart hit, I don't know. But the other songs that were on that EP that was released exclusively in Brazil were Wow, Symphony in Blue, and Hammer Horror. Which is funny, because those three songs, what we're going to get to when we talk about the Lionheart songs, those were on Lionheart, uh, which was her next album. So so the EP was definitely released long mm-hmm. after the, uh, the kick inside. It was... Um almost a a merging of the kick inside and things that were being worked on for Lionheart. Yep. Okay. It was performed on her first concert tour in 1979. Really interesting visuals that that go with that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So there was a live version from the live at the Hammersmith Odeon. There was this single version from Brazil and the album version. And, and this was, so I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, but the yeah, li- okay. the live version from the Tour of Life that was that part of the official VHS release. Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, the footage for that was officially released. The rest of the show, other than the stuff that was on the Hammersmith tape, not so much. But that's okay. So what are your thoughts on this song? Um, it's strange. Well, yes. <laughs> well, I, I think this one is definitely very Kate-ish. I mean, w- when you're getting up there towards like the first chorus, mm-hmm. she's doing her high-pitched, I'm doing my Kate voice. Soon it will be the phase of the moon. 
people tune in. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's a very Kate song. You, mm. I mean, if you if you listen to this and go, uh, you, it might be a decent judge of whether you'll actually enjoy much of the rest of her output. Uh, if you listen to this and go, oh, that's amazing, then I wouldn't be surprised if you become an awesome Kate fan. And I was the latter. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it and went, whoa, this is really cool. What I like about this one is that it's personal without being personal, if that makes any sense. I can definitely see where you mean that. Because musically, I, I enjoy this song. It's nice to have it on in the background, and it, it, it kind of does have that that very Kate feel. And I'm not super into Kate Bush, but I like Peter Gabriel and progressive rock, and so I, I can enjoy this. And you've heard me play her so much around yes. the house. Yes, we're talking to somebody here who's like, I, I put on Kate, and he, Andrew is used to me playing that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, it's not like you play it constantly. because no, I do have other artists I listen to. <laughs> not just, because Kate, I love you, I really do, but... Now, if Kate had released a new wave album, I think you would play nothing but Kate. Probably. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't do the mainstream stuff. Anyway, on to the lyrics here. Yeah, if oh, we're going oh. into the lyrics... Because um, I like doing lyrical interpretations... I, I, the Very thing I have with the lyrics is I can definitely see where you'd say that it's both personal and not personal at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because if I do have one criticism of this song, it's that it's a list song. Mm. A, a day of coincidences. Uh, we know what people are going to say. Um <laughs> You pick up a paper and read a name. You go out and you see the name again. You bump into a friend you haven't seen. It, it, it's it's a list. Mm-hmm. It's not so much a story or an emotion as just a list of odd coincidences. It's sung well, and I enjoy the music, but I lyrically, I'm not a big fan of just a list song unless we're, you know, talking REM or something. Mm-hmm. Or I'm thinking one of I'm thinking of a Zazie song. Uh, one of her songs is called "Tout le Monde," where she's just listing a bunch of names. Yeah. And then suddenly she gets to the chorus, "Tout le monde il est beau." Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's beautiful. Zazie, by the way, is one of my favorite uh, French singers. Z-A-Z-Y. I, I understand that it can be a poetic device. That it can mm-hmm. have a purpose. I I just feel like maybe list songs don't have as much staying power as other songs unless the music is very strong. So, I mean, if you want to get into what you think is so strong about the music to help it overcome list songness, or just completely prove me wrong and say why it's an amazing <laughs> list song, because I I mean, "End of the World as We Know It" by REM is possibly one of the greatest <laughs> rock songs of the late twentieth century, and it's nothing but a ridiculous list. True. So. <laughs> So what makes this song so awesome? Either what, either why do you think that the, the list is an effective tool or why do you think the music is so awesome I it overcomes the list? I think the list is an effective tool because she's just bringing up random because Im- she's just bringing up random images and trying to illustrate different coincidences. I like the piano riff in the beginning. If you've been listening to a couple episodes at this point, you probably get the impression that I'm a bit of a music nerd, which of course I am. And 
the piano riff is in one key while the rest of the song it especially when it shifts to um she does that piano there's a piano riff and and she says soon it will be the phase of the moon when people tune in then it suddenly shifts into a completely unrelated key when she gets to every girl knows about the punctual blues i like shifts like that in music it doesn't seem like she's following a strict a strict pop structure because a strict pop structure you're not going to really have chords up against each other that clash like that and that's something that i'm going to point out a lot on this album her debut album that she often has chords next to each other that you wouldn't expect them to go together and that's especially going to come up when Wuthering Heights when I get to nerd about it with a fellow musician. So for example in this song it starts with a piano riff that's in A major so A C sharp E and it goes sounds familiar I'm looking at the sheet music by the way as I'm doing this so as that piano riff is going she does this soon it will be the phase of the moon when people tune in. And then it kind of slows. And then it goes from A major to C major. So you get that C major, C, E, G. Remember, we were just in a chord that has C sharp. And then suddenly we've gone down to this. <laughs> Which is really interesting to have right against the C major chord. That you have this thing that goes like that and then suddenly go to that the rest of the verse is uh, has a couple of interesting chords like it's it goes into you know, every girl knows about the punctual blues then it goes into this e7 because it sounds a little oh wait huh that was kind of unexpected to the strange phenomena. And then it just goes E major, E minor, A minor, minor, all that right up against it. And then, so it repeats that E minor, this is new, he has the answer. And then if it goes past the omani padni hmm, suddenly we get to A major again, because we were in A minor, which was A C E, now we're in A C sharp E. So it's just really interesting having those chords right up there. And now I'm done music nerding <laughs> for now. <laughs> there you go. So I can see what you say about the list song. I think it's I think it's effective for the most part with what she's trying to do, but I do agree with you that, well, you know, list songs are not really the best, like, eh. In the meantime, it also references something that when I read a lot of reviews for The Kick Inside, this album that it comes from, they mentioned, hey, she writes about menstruation. 
Because there's a line in here where it says, every girl knows about the punctual blues. Oh, darn. One line about something experienced by 50% of the population, and suddenly that's the entire theme of the whole darn album. Yeah, when I read reviews of the album, they mentioned that she she writes about a lot of things that are... She, she's not writing about, oh my gosh, I see this boy I really like, and I really like him, and he doesn't like me, like the usual unrequited love stuff. No, instead she's writing about trying to explain life, pretty much. And honestly, yeah, that is just one line of the song. Really, like, we're going to say this whole song is about menstruation? No, it's not. The way I interpret that line is that, well, hey, let's face it, you know, us girls, most of the time we know exactly when our monthly visitor is coming. It's, it's a regular thing. And then when, but then the next line when she says, but who's to know the power behind our moves? And she continues talking about random things. Your monthly visitor is guaranteed to come for most women. But all these other things are random. They don't, you don't know when they're going to be happening. So that's why I think she included it. The whole song is not about menstruation. Please, really, those, those reviewers were not listening to the song correctly, I think. I mean, oh no, so many talks about getting their period. Whoa. I mean, I think that's just a case of, hello, your English major husband about to go on minor yes. rant of... <laughs> I did forget, I have an English major. We have an English major here. It, it's, a, it's a patriarch. It's an, it's an element of the patriarchal media. It, mm. it, it's like all the men writing the reports just going, oh my God, she mentioned this. I don't want to hear about that. I'm going to focus my yeah. whole review on it. And for the next 30 years, yeah, 30, 40 years later, when there's a podcast talking about this, they're going to have to address <laughs> this and spend more time on this one line than on the rest of the song. I, I like what you said there where I think it does help set up the contrast and it gives you that feminine perspective of saying, hey, listen, we know about this thing that is regular and it's something you can predict. Now, let me point you at all of this other stuff that's unpredictable. So it is a nice contrast and a nice feminine perspective. But everything from this podcast all the way back to those stupid reviews, it's... It's just the overall patriarchal structure of society overreacting to a line that's just being used as a metaphor. And especially back then. I mean, I wasn't alive in 1978. Yeah, it is a bit, maybe a bit revolutionary for its time. Yeah, probably revolutionary for the time. That Oh, wait, you got this female singer who's talking about woman things, huh? But only in the sense that it's a woman writing from her perspective mm-hmm. and the men in the uh, review industry are overreacting to a woman's perspective. I mean, she could have been writing about, you know, trying on finding the right bra size and it would have been <laughs> equally offensive to the male yeah. uh, reviewer. And what did Kate have to say her, herself about uh, the development of the song? Um, I see you have several interview clips yep. in here. Well, she has said here, Strange Phenomena is all about the coincidences that happen to all of us all the time. Like maybe you're listening to the radio and a certain thing will come up. You go outside and it will happen again. It's just how similar things seem to attract each other. Like saying birds of a feather flock together and how these things do happen to all of us all the time. 
just strange coincidences that we're only occasionally aware of. And maybe you'll think how strange it is, but it happens all the time. That came from the Kate Bush Encyclopedia, which is a really very, has been a very helpful website for finding quotes from Kate herself. And she's also said, uh, this was from gaffa.org. Gaffa.org is, again, another huge Kate website that collects all these different reviews and um, uh, news group chats from the 80s and 90s when people were talking about her stuff. She says, I'm a vegetarian, and now that's trendy as well. But what annoys me the most is the way people are so automatically cynical about astrology. I mean, like the Greeks put an incredible amount of hard work into carefully planned geometric charts based purely on mathematics. People just shrug off. It's the same with coincidence, as I say in the song, Strange Phenomena. So do you think that the the song is her, I mean, I, I didn't catch. Are there any uh, astrological references in the song itself? In the song itself, no. I mean, there's the phase of the moon. Yeah, she talks about the phase of the moon, but for the most part, she seems she's using images that are very concrete. Like you pick up the paper, you read a name, you go out, it turns up again and again, you bump into a friend you haven't seen in a long time. Like that's those are very concrete images. It's not abstract. Yeah, the, the, there is that birds of a f feather flock together line in there. But other than the moon, I'm not really seeing anything astrological. So I guess she was using I mean, that more as a metaphor for yeah things that some people believe in and some people don't. But I mean, she does include now uh, toward the end of the chorus, there's Omani Padmi Hum. Which is actually a Sanskrit mantra. Uh, when I first heard the song, I just I thought it was just her doing random syllables. Because <laughs> I will admit, I love Kate's music, but sometimes I have to look up the lyrics because I'm not sure what she's saying. It's all just okay. It's just why are we so saying? So you should be able to understand. So. Everything. When I looked up what Omani Padmi Hum is, because that's what she says at the end of the chorus, she repeats it a couple of times, it is a Buddhist chant. It's actually Sanskrit, and it roughly translates to sacred jewel of the lotus flower. Om is a sacred syllable in Indian religions. Mani means jewel or bead. Padmi is the lotus flower, or the sacred flower of Buddhism. And Hum represents the spirit of Enlightenment. So she's got these very concrete images, and then at the end she include of the chorus, and then at the end of the chorus she includes this mantra from uh, Buddhism. And was she practicing Buddhism at the time, and is that why she included it? Or I mean, I know that such such things you know you can the doors and all sorts of bands from the 70s and such explored mm -hmm. other religions yeah, the beatles yeah oh yeah the beatles was she among them or no she actually grew she actually grew up catholic she went to a catholic school when she was growing up so she she grew up with catholicism i think she just included this i think she just included because she thought it sounded cool 
Oh, and actually, here I've got a. This is this was from a 1979 interview. It was called Personal Call. Basically, you you could call up the studio and actually ask her a question on the phone. Marcus Wally from Leicester is there. Hello. Hello, Marcus. Okay, I would like to ask you if the record strange phenomena on the kitchen side yeah. were prompted by any outside experience is that? Yeah, um, it's all about coincidences. Um, and there's in fact a school of thought about that called, um, well, it's synchronicity. And it's about all the things that happen that are very similar and how one day all these really strange coincidences will happen to you. And uh, a lot of these happen to me. Like I'll be talking about something with someone and I'll go home and I'll, someone will ring me up about the same thing. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's one of our phenomena, I must admit, yeah. You do believe that mental vibrations can be transmitted from one person to another? I think, I think by what you think and how you are, you attract things to you. I think if, if you're a very negative, unhappy person, a lot of negative, unhappy things could happen to you. And I really believe in that, yeah. Marcus, what do you think? Well, I, I sometimes believe it, and then again, there's a lot of people who are there and don't believe it at all. The difficult thing is it's scientific um, yeah. data just can't prove it, can it? I think we ought to hear the song, actually. Thank you. Strange, strange phenomena. It's interesting words. Soon it will be the phase of the moon when people tune in. Every girl knows about the punctual blues, but who's to know the power behind our moves? A day of coincidence with the radio and a word that won't go away. We know what they're all going to say. G arrives. Funny, had a feeling he was on his way. Marcus, have you had any strange coincidences happen to you like that? Oh, there's one happened this afternoon. We were discussing it in our RE lesson about ghosts and various strange things. And um, when I heard this program was on, so I'd asked this question about the phenomenon thing. And um, I didn't realise that we'll be discussing this, so that's going to be coincidence already. <laughs> Terrific. Kate, can you remember any memorable coincidences like that? Oh dear. Well, they, they do happen a lot. Like, um, just being places and someone you haven't seen for years will turn up. Um, reading a book and, and seeing it in a shop and then seeing it on a bus. and They happen all the time and it happens to everyone. I mean, people mm. are just full of all these little things that happen to them. It'd be wonderful to be able to explain it, but I suppose it would spoil it to some extent, wouldn't it, if you could explain it? I think so, yes. I think you just have to accept it. We've got another call on the line. Maybe it's on the same kind of subject. Barbara Clay of Halifax. Hello, Barbara. Hello. Are you, is this the same kind of subject you're phoning about? Well, in a way, yes, please. Um, I wanted to ask um, Kate, if you could tell me what Omni Pade means. Well, it's, um, it's a Buddhist chant, actually, and I couldn't actually tell you what it means because, unfortunately, I don't practice Buddhism. Um, but it's a passion mantra, and it's really just a, a meditative <laughs> chant that people use when they're um, in a state of higher being. And she replies, well, it's a Buddhist chant, actually, and I couldn't actually tell you what it means because, unfortunately, I don't practice Buddhism, but it's a passion mantra, and it's really just a meditative blah chant that people use when they're in a state of higher being. I, I wish we could um, hear the... the uh, do you have an access to a recording of that? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Yes, yeah. I do. But, Actually, I've got here interview clip to play during episode where it's her like talking extensively about the song. Okay, definitely. Where basically she says that she's very pleased with strange phenomena and they start talking about astrology and some of her other beliefs and 
like higher beings controlling things and you're just trying to understand what's going on so that's an interesting thought i'm i'm looking back in the lyrics again here to see if there's anything uh you know you saying higher beings i'm not really seeing anything in the lyrics that would indicate predestination or well we raise uh, our hats to the hand of molding us oh yeah we raise our hats to the hand of molding us show enough he's he has the answer he has the answer a good point a little, little bit of the, the the puppet master going on yeah. there maybe she's got like this kind of i'm gonna say deist perhaps point of view or oh, okay this god who god is somebody who just puts random things into motion and sits back like a sims game and just watches what happens <laughs> which i find interesting for somebody who grew up going to a catholic school that she i mean i didn't go to a catholic school i have a friend who went to Catholic school and I would imagine you know that their experiences you're 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 supposed to believe this way and da 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 and anything different no you we can't have that but then she's got this kind of like oh I don't know if I quite think that way so how do you how, how do you feel about the song as um as as a whole d- d- does it work for you do you love the song is I it think your- it works for me I like the music. I like that she's writing about something that is, like I said, personal but not personal. It's personal in that she's putting her own her own thoughts about the universe and coincidences and strange things happening. But it's not, oh, I'm in love with a boy. I don't know what to do. Unrequited love kind of stuff like oh 99.9% of pop songs oh, she didn't really radio. do that kind Although she of never thing. did that kind of thing no. I mean she's written love songs but it's but they they haven't been like you slow dance to it at a wedding or something like that does she's it, never written I will always love you <laughs> does it have any kind of personal meaning for you a little bit because I have had some strange phenomena if you will happen in my life where I'll be thinking about a friend that I haven't talked to in a while and suddenly I get a text message from that friend. Like I've actually got a friend now who by the way was super excited that I was doing this podcast. She she's never heard of Kate Bush before, but I told her about doing this I'm doing this podcast and so she's super excited for me about it. And she's a wonderful person, very quirky like me but we tend to get really busy with our own lives. And so after about a week and a half, I'll go, hmm, I haven't heard from my friend in a while. And then an hour later, I get a text message from her. And I go, oh, I was just thinking about you. Huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so little things like that I can relate to. I'm like, yeah, I, I can get behind this. I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just looking at the lyrics again and talking about being personal I do think it's interesting that she's writing in at least a solid two stanzas um, after the first chorus. 
where it's all in second person. It's all use statements mm. instead of I or just or telling a story about a particular person. It's like yeah. she's trying to bring the listener into the song. Mm-hmm. Did she say anything about that or? Um, not as far as I know, though. Anybody listening, if you do know of a, perhaps an obscure interview where she was further talking about this song and I haven't found it yet or we haven't talked about it, do make sure to let me know. Tweet me at StrangeKateCast or KBCast at LinkMedia.com. Yeah, I, to a addendum for a future, future episode or something. I, I think it's an interesting rhetorical device just to... You know, she starts out with every girl knows, so that's an inclusive statement. Yeah. And then she's making general statements, nothing about herself. And it's all about other people. It, yeah, but but it's not a story song. Mm-hmm. Like we said, it's a list song. Observation. It's more of an observation song. Yeah, and it, it's... It's not telling the story of George or uh, Anne who walk down the street and all this stuff happens to them. Mm-hmm. It's you pick up a paper, you read a name, you go out, you mm-hmm. bump into a friend. It, it, as a device for storytelling, uh, it, it does an interesting job of maybe pulling the reader in and or listener, pulling yeah. the listener in and making them go, oh, yeah. There is that one time last week. Mm-hmm. Huh. It, it's an enjoyable background music thing for me. It doesn't quite have the progressive rock feel that I would love. But she also wasn't quite hanging out with Peter Gabriel yet at this point. So. Yeah, Peter Gabriel stuff, all that's going to come in with her third album, Never Forever. And, of course, I'm going to talk about her collaborations with them on games without frontiers and singing background on No Self Control. Yeah, but it is a strong song. Um, I won't I won't call it a favorite, but only because I'm not a huge fan of the list format. But as we've been discussing it, it it does make me, especially that rhetorical device of you, really does make me appreciate the song more as we as the more I think about it. Yeah. Uh, so what else about the music or production really stands out to you in this song? I like her background vocals. I'm going to say that on most of her songs, to be honest. I love the way that she layers her voice. And you you get a sense of that later on in her career as well. But since this is her first album, this she, she starts there where she's got complex background vocals especially on the chorus, right after she sings, we raise our hats to the strange phenomena, and there's like, da, 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 like this descending part. And she's got other little parts of her singing under a bird, soul birds of a feather flock together. She she does do the background vocal thing, not to it quite mm-hmm. to the level of say uh, Florence, but that could also. I I do wonder if if Kate was in her twenties with <laughs> modern recording equipment, 
I wouldn't be surprised if she went like the full-on Florence 40 layers of her yeah. own voice thing. Oh, definitely. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd say that's more of a a limitation of the equipment at the time. And nowadays, she's got a slightly different style, so she's not going to do that. Yeah. But but also remember, oh, what was, what was that Netflix documentary we watched? Oh, he sang the original version of, he sang Without You, and he did that song for Midnight Cowboy. He was... Switch. Oh, Harry Nelson. Uh, yeah, the Harry Nelson biography. I, yeah, listening to this makes me think a little bit of the Harry Nelson documentary that we watched on Netflix because the two of them, Harry Nelson and Kate Bush, uh, like to layer their vocals in a way that is was, I guess, a little unheard of for the time. Like I'm also thinking of um, Not in Love. By 10cc that one now that one used oh yeah over 250 layers of voices and that song came out about the same time period as Kate's 1975 video. okay so that was yeah 10cc i'm not in love came out just two years three years before this album so i wouldn't be surprised and i know that i'm not in love was a huge hit everywhere and also, of course, has been used most recently in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> that I wouldn't be surprised if she was if she was a little bit influenced by that song. I I, I can I can see that. And of course, too, when you mm. think, oh, well, they did 250 layers of vocals. Eh, whatever. Florence does however many now. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was hard to but do. But for back the 70s, that was that's all. That's a lot of tapes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you, I don't know if you want to include the name of it, but uh, that that Harry Nilsson one you were talking about was, uh, who is Harry Nilsson and why is everyone talking about him? Oh yeah, because yeah, because he did that song everybody's talking. Oh yeah, that me. was. I mean, I know, everybody's I know this is. Talking is me. I, I know this is a Kate Bush fan cast, but wow, that was I. That was such a good documentary. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not even into. I didn't realize that I liked Harry Nilsson's mu- music until I watched that documentary mm-hmm. and was like, oh, like half the classic hits that I, I actually like from 70s radio <laughs> came from this dude. But I did think of Kate Bush when I watched that documentary, especially when they talked about how he layered his vocals. Well, that's what Kate does here on plenty on this album, which makes it really, I'm sure it was really interesting trying to replicate this live. See, when did she do the tour of life? She did the tour of life in 1979. Yeah, that was kind of like the early days of being able, having like looper pedals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did, did she have... Uh, any background vocals? So on the tour of life, she did have some background singers who were able to replicate some of the very intricate stacked vocals that she did on her albums. Yeah, that would have been a little bit early to use looping pedals and such. I'm not even sure when when they when looping pedals really came in. And I guess it it is also a live performance. So, I mean, even Florence, who uses her own voice on her albums, on live shows, she uses background singers. Mm. Oh, I can tell when she does Rabbit Heart, I can hear the stagger, raise it up, raise it up, as she's doing her jumping around and her Florence-y thing. 
So the backing vocalists were Liz Pearson and Glennis Groves. And then she had the usual band set up. You had your, your drummer, your guitarist, your bass player, and she had somebody playing piano. It was very difficult, actually, to find somebody who could play the intricate piano parts that she just knows how to do by ear. And and uh, who did she have as her piano player, just so we can give them credit, because clearly they were pretty good. Um, her piano player was Kevin McAlley, who I whose name I recognize because he was responsible for the English language version of 99 Luft Balloons. Oh, nice connection there. I know! <laughs> and suddenly I have that song in my head, and yep. suddenly it's probably in your head. If it's in your head right now, I apologize. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who she had on uh, helping her out for replicating these songs. Now, when it came to doing the live concerts, she knew she wanted to do something different. And on this song, she came out not with her headset mic that she has on some of her other songs, like Wow, where she's doing stuff with her hands and you can't really exactly do stuff with your hands when you're holding a mic. This one, she's actually holding a canary yellow colored mic and she's backed by two dancers. She's dressed in this black suit with a top hat and her other two two and her other two dancers are dressed in like these metal looking costumes that look like something out of a science fiction B movie. Do you think she's maybe trying to look like a magician or something like that? I think so. Cause actually when in the live video, when she sings, we raise our hats to the strange phenomena. She pulls a bouquet of flowers oh, out of her coat. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> And then she, and on the, we raise our hats to the hands to the hand and molding us, showing up. She actually takes off her hat. And that's a, it's very cute. No. It's got her poofy 70s hair and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, poofy. Now, um, I see a note that you have here, and I want to I know, do you think that it was an intentional nod to Strange Phenomenon when she performed this song? Strange Phenomenon? What do you mean? It was the 13th song on the set list every night. Do you think that was intentional? Oh, I did not even think of that. I would not be surprised if it is. I mean, that, that's the sort of meta thing. I mean, that, you know, I'm, I'm singing a song about the strange phenomena of life. I'm dressed as a magician. I'm doing simple magic tricks. And uh, apparently on the set list... This was the 13th song and the same sort of people who find um, meaning in random coincidence often tend to also have superstitions around the number 13. I would not, you know, I would not be surprised if that was intentional. (laughs) It probably was because Kate thinks of everything. She's like, I am detail oriented. Was well, this some quote I read from her that she says, I'm like, I'm the calmest megalomaniac you'll ever meet. <laughs> like, yes, you are. And that's part of why we love you. So as she's doing this, she's got her dancers there behind her and they're kind of like, all oh, like wandering around, like, ooh, looking at stuff. And they really, they look like something out of like, it came from outer space or some other 50s B movie, which I'm sure was intentional. And the live version of it is not much different 
from the recorded version, except that the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do part at the beginning is a little bit longer. And then they go through the song proper, and then toward the end, there's this big jam, which was not put on the Live at the Hammersmith Odeon official release. They came out about two years after these shows were done. Instead, it just goes from the end of the song right before the jam to the beginning of the next song, which was her coming out and doing a very intricate dance to Hammer Horror. So you don't even get to hear what happened in between her finishing the song and doing Hammer Horror, the next one. But you hear it actually on a bunch of bootlegs. Um, I admit, I have one. It was a soundboard recording that got circulated a few years ago of a concert on the tour that she did in Manchester. And on that one, the, the musicians jam out for a good two or three minutes. I would assume it was this was done so that Kate would have enough time to scurry backstage, dress for the next thing, and then whoosh, come back out and do my interpretive dance thing. musicians that she was working with who were some of the best studio and session musicians of the time finally getting a chance to just jam for a while <laughs> like listening to it almost makes me think of uh, what I'm sure Fish or some other jam band <laughs> group might sound like they're just yeah we're just jamming we're just playing whatever we gotta kill time <laughs> Uh, so, speaking of her live performances, have you seen the version of this uh, from when she performed? Apparently, this was at 
an amusement park in yes. Germany? Yes. Oh, and in, in, in uh, uh, the Netherlands, actually. The Netherlands, okay. Yeah, the it was it was a lip-synced performance. She actually did Strange Phenomena, Moving, and a couple of others, and they were all lip-synced. And she was just doing a, I'm Kane, I'm doing an interpretive dance, because woo, I do Kane interpretive dance. Yeah, I, w- I was just watching the video while you were, you were talking about that, and it's... Um, it's very Kate. It's, you know, she's she's got a newspaper. She's got the top hat. She's doing a very atrocious attempt at the pulling things out of nowhere. But you can clearly see the, the ribbons coming out of her sleeves. Oh, yes, I see here. I'm actually pulling it up on YouTube. I actually had not seen this one. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they've got uh, these kind of 70s ghosting effects all around her. Um, the... There's some sort of green creature. It's kind of oh, in a yeah. Buddha pose, but the face looks a little bit more like an Oni. Um, I'm not sure what that's supposed to be behind her. Um, the video opens with some stuff that looks vaguely like a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Makes me think of a thought of that supermarket in Virginia Beach that we sometimes go to. The oh, yeah, the one with all the crystal readings yeah, and they such. Go, hey, come in and we can read your hand in crystals. And I go, eh, eh, no, thank you. So so what would you say is your favorite version of this song? So we've got the Efteling version. We've got the Tour of Life version. We've got the demo version. We've got the album version. Uh, did she do a remake version of this? For director's cut or anything like that? For director's like that? cut nope. or... No, okay. nothing actually from her first... Four, one, two, three, four. Nothing from her first five albums were touched on director's cut. Okay. Which, by the way, director's cut, for those who may not know, director's cut was an album that Kate released about almost ten years ago, which includes remakes of songs from her albums The Sensual World and The Red Shoes. And that, when we get to those albums in like three or four years, <laughs> those remakes are going to come up because I'm going to put those songs in with talking about those remakes with the original versions. Now, this was not remade at all. Um, my favorite version of this song is the live version. I like hearing the jam at the end. I like hearing something a little different from the album version. I'm one of those people that likes to go to a concert and hear something a little bit different. I don't want people to just replicate the song as it is on the album. Otherwise, I could just stay at home. So I like hearing the jam at the end and just hearing her singing live since she doesn't sing live all that often. She's not she's not a Tory <laughs> who is always touring around and you've got tons of bootlegs of her doing all sorts of songs. That's not Kate Bush. Yeah. I especially bring up the Tory thing because I am a huge Tory fan and she's doing her tour and everything right. So. Shout That's... out to Danny and Ephraim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Tories, to the song Drival Night Songs of Tori and his podcast. So that's my favorite version of the song. I like the live version. The album version is good. The demo version is good. I can see where where she was trying to go with it. I like I like hearing a song as it's being worked on. Because I like knowing that things just didn't come out of a vacuum. <laughs> you know, that, that actually things take work. Soon it will be the face of the moon when people tune in. 
I've never heard you play this one on piano, but have other people released covers of this? Indeed, yes. I actually have found some covers on YouTube. YouTube is a treasure trove for finding these sorts of things. And I found an instrumental guitar version, which I thought was really, really pretty to listen to. That was by Treble Clef. That's the name of the user, and it's just an instrumental version of it. I found there was one that has a female vocal backed by a full band and it was uploaded by Kev Bobster doesn't do terribly much with the song it sounds pretty much the same except it's just a different female singing and then there's this other version from Danny McAvoy who is a huge Kate fan and and I'm hoping I'll get to talk with him for some of the Lionheart episodes and also for a special episode I'm going to do exclusively from people who went to see her in 1979, because he was one of those that actually saw her on one of the opening nights. Soon it will be the phase of the moon when people tune in. Every girl knows about the punctual blues. Who's to know the power? Coincidence with the radio and the world that won't go away. You know what they're all gonna say. Giraffe's funny how the feeling he was on his way. We raise our hearts to the strange phenomena. So birds of a feather fly together. Sometimes, to be honest, like guy and guitar versions of stuff stuff gets a little bit boring for me because I prefer somebody to play something like Alexi Murdoch where he's doing like intricate finger picking like or or even Newton Faulkner where he's doing percussive stuff like doing something interesting with it mm-hmm. but on Kate's songs I like hearing dude and guitar versions because it's one a guy singing instead of a girl and two it's on a guitar where she's primarily a piano yeah so so, so it's not just a, a random dude doing a guitar cover of a guitar song it's mm-hmm. it's got a gender swap going on and it's taking a very complex song and either simplifying it or finding a way to re- transition that complexity into just guitar yeah oh. so, so those are cover versions i have found i really enjoy showcasing these covers of Kate's songs because I like to hear how other people interpret her songs. I'm not one of those people 
who says, oh, well, this is the definitive version. Ah, anything else is going to ruin it. No, I like hearing what other people do with it. And frankly, if you don't like that person's version, you can go back and listen to the original. The original's not going anywhere. So that's why I like to do the cover versions for my podcast. And plus, you get to hear other people interpreting Kate's songs and doing their own things with them. Well, do you have any uh, kind of final thoughts on the uh, strange phenomena that is this <laughs> song? Or Basically, it's a favorite from this album for me. I really like it. I like that you're starting to hear her observation kind of, uh, kind of lyrical style, which is what she tends to go for in her lyrics. I like seeing the... Uh, the live version of it from uh, the Hammersmith Odeon tape just seeing her acting it out live and doing her thing and I think that the live version at Hammersmith Odeon fits the song a lot better than the Efteling version alright well I think that ends it for Strange Phenomena today yep and of course this is the song that gives its name to the podcast. Oh, duh. <laughs> forgot to mention that. I just realized that. Wait a minute. I forgot to mention that we've actually gotten to the song that gives its name to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate to mention it. Exactly. The final item. And of course, I chose Strange Phenomena as the title of this podcast, not just because I like the song, but because Kate's music is so unique and she just came out of nowhere. Nobody expected that, hey, this shy, introverted English girl was going to take the world, or at least the UK and Europe, by storm. <laughs> I know. She's unfortunately one of those that never got popular here, but that's okay. She can be our little secret here in the United States. We know where it's at. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today about strange phenomena and coincidences and other such things that happen very randomly. And wouldn't it be a strange phenomena if suddenly a whole bunch of reviews of this podcast showed up on iTunes? Yes. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you are listening and you're going, whoa, another fellow Kate fan. Yay, need to talk to her about my favorite song or songs. Please, please, please tweet at me at StrangeKateCast. You can also email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. Also, if you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to or that we don't know and didn't mention, feel free to tweet me. Feel free to email me. I want to hear from you. Part of why I want to do this podcast is because I want to hear from Kate fans all over the world because we're all kind of scattered. I mean, already as of recording of this, I've got a couple other episodes in the can. I had somebody, I talked to somebody from Scotland. I talked to somebody in Vancouver, Washington. And I got to talk to somebody outside of Chicago. So we're all over the world. So if you would love to talk about Kate with a fellow fan, make sure to hit me up on Twitter at StrangeKateCast or email me kbcast at linkmedia.com. And that's link with an E, by the way. L-I-N-K-E media.com. Thank you so much for listening.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 